the Rad Welcome to another fun-filled episode of the Rad Podcast. That's the producers of the Rad Radio Show. I am Brandon. And I'm Amanda. And this is the Rad Podcast. Bam! We didn't even we didn't even rehearse that. That was awesome. Wow. Um, If you are listening to this, then you are most likely already a fan of the Rad Radio Show, the Rob Anybody and Dawn Show, um, which you can find on various markets in Sacramento and Reno, um, but also online all across the world and the World Wide Web. (laughs) We're Um, huge. We're huge. We're not fat though. No. Which we'll get into. We're talking about our fitness stuff, and we'll talk about that later. Um, I'm not skinny. No. Somebody's got to complete the benchmark. Um, so you can subscribe to us through various uh, channels, through the iTunes app, through uh, Stitcher, through our website, radradio.com. Uh, if you just click through, you can uh, subscribe to our podcast, which, by the way, what, what does that do if people like and review us? So on iTunes, they have a ranking for, you know, whatever it is for for the different categories and then all of the podcasts. And we're under comedy, I think. Yeah, we are. Um, so when you like us, subscribe to us. Well, you can't like us. When you subscribe to us and then you rate us, so there's a star rating, a one through five. Hopefully you give us five stars. Yes. And then when you review us, all of those things help us become more visible in the podcast world. So I... Not sure on Stitcher exactly how they work, if they have a rate and review type of thing. But I know on iTunes they definitely do, and that creates us, you know, more visibility. Cool. Hopefully that'll answer this next question that's coming up from Zelda. He says, hey, guys, I was hoping y'all could answer this on the live show as it occurs more often than the podcast. Well, we're not going to answer that on the live show because this is the podcast and this is a podcast question. So, (laughs) yeah. The producers keep saying, make sure to subscribe to us. The broadcast is on multiple podcast apps. I have subscribed on CastBox, where I listen to podcasts. I've never heard of CastBox. Have Neither you? have I. So this is probably one of those things where it's kind of a clearinghouse of all all the type of RSS feeds, which mm-hmm. is really what a podcast is, which is just a link that if you have that particular feed saved on your phone, it will automatically update as though it were a web web page or a website, but it's actually updating with the content that we upload to that particular feed. So I'm guessing Castbox is one of those ones that just kind of collects all of them that may might be in the iTunes or Stitcher world. Which Stitcher, yeah. Stitcher is a third party um, uh, type of service that allows you to listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, you found it, so I'm not yeah. too concerned about <laughs> you. Uh, but to Zelda, thank you for finding us on Castbox. I didn't know we were there, but. Good to know. Um, I think that's all you need to know, Zelda. So shut up. Yeah. But thanks thanks for for listening. Thank you for listening. All right. So we have this email from Jessica. um, I'm going to dive into because it's it's almost like she has been hacking into our emails and and spying on us because she uh, talks about a lot of the things that we've been talking about back and forth about future ideas for the broadcast. Oh my God. So uh, Jessica says, Hey, Brandon and Amanda. Hey. hey. I've been loving your podcast. Well, thank you. I was wondering if you would ever be willing to talk about marriage, the pros and cons of being married versus being single, and also how long is long enough to wait? Well, good questions. Oh. Let me finish the letter here and we'll address that. She goes on to say, also, I would love to hear more about your journeys of sobriety as I'm beginning my own. Congratulations, Jessica. Yeah. 
I'm only one week sober as of today, and that was uh, this last Sunday that she wrote. So now she's a week and a day. Oh, um, okay. But, uh, hey, it's a start. Mm -hmm. I love you guys so much. I think you're awesome. I love you, too. (laughs) You guys are a big inspiration to me. Love, Jessica. We'll do, like, the marriage stuff on another episode, I think. Yeah. Um, But this would be a good opportunity for us to dive into our first new segment, the uh, sobriety check-in. Sobriety check-in. There you go. There's a theme song. (laughs) Um, So I am almost nine months into my... uh, booze-free commitment, which yeah. I started at the end of April of 2017, and I'm planning on going through April of uh, this year until I reevaluate my relationship with, with booze, which was kind of the whole genesis of, of this process was because I just, I lost control with it. I was using it when I shouldn't have. I was relying on it so that I wasn't feeling crappy, even mm-hmm. though it just made everything else suffer in the process, including my work, my relationships, my friendships, all of the above. And since I've uh, been booze free, a lot of those things have been repairing and getting better. And honestly, I, I feel like my life has been uh, changed for the better since doing so. Now, Amanda, you have expressed that you're kind of on the same journey. When did you yeah. start? So I am just a week more sober. I don't know, I'm a week farther than Jessica. So I'm two weeks and one day. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, previously I had sobered up for 30 days and that was like a walk in the park for me because I was like, oh, it's just 30 days. That's easy. Yeah. But now I am definitely struggling and my brain is playing tricks on me. Um, I'm having the drinking dreams where you drink in your dream and you wake up and you just feel so disappointed in yourself and it's so sad. Um, I didn't have those dreams at first. Well, I've quit drinking for a year prior. Like, I don't know. I, I was 27, I think. And I quit drinking for a year. And I had those dreams then. And now I'm having them again. But I think the reason why I'm having them and my cravings are so bad is because I know it's going to be a year at least. So when hmm. it was 30 days, I was just like, oh, it's just 30 days. Now that it's a year, it's more... You know, it's more long term and I definitely have been struggling. I wonder if part of that isn't necessarily the fact that your mind you you know in your mind that you have to be dry for a year. I wonder how much of it is is that versus just like the state of your life right now and in which you would normally use the booze as a mm-hmm. crutch and now it seems like it's harder, whereas before it was just, Oh, I just want to get healthier, you know. I, I mean I you you can describe all of the the reasons or none of the reasons why you decided to to go dry now um but does that change compared comparatively to the reasons why you've quit or or dried up prior oh i'm definitely there's definitely way more going on now than there was when i was 27 i mean uh just having a family in general like there's a lot more stress and responsibility and stuff like that um but i i th- I had slipped back into drinking, I think, around the holidays. Oh, um, yeah. It's easy to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, comfort drinks like eggnog and stuff like that. And then it just started turning into a really bad situation where I was drinking every night after the kids go to bed. One, to help me sleep because I'm so stressed out and I can't turn my brain off. And two, just so I didn't have to feel my feeling, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So 
it was just, it ended up really bad because what I didn't know, well, what I should have known because people told me and I just was too stubborn to listen, is that alcohol does not mix with Zoloft. I think people say it, but it also says it on the bottle of pills that you're prescribed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. by your doctor. Well, I mean, in the way that it totally fucks up your judgment and you act recklessly. I don't think they warn you about that. Yeah, kind of I know stuff. it mentions stuff about your inability to drive uh heavy machinery yeah i'm and like well, i'm just gonna sit on the couch might be groggy yeah <laughs> i i could see where where you would be misconstrued by that but i mean yeah if you you i think we discussed this more in depth in the last broadcast mm-hmm. you, you you can't mix booze with psychotropic pills no yeah uh, i mean if, if if it's rewiring your brain you're it's being it's counterintuitive and and it does heighten the effects of the of the antidepressant to extremes that will just make you go nuts. Yeah, and so I went on a reckless time and uh, got to the point where my life was falling apart, mm. you know? Relationships, work, friendships, you know, family, everything. Just everything started to crumble in my hands. And so it was like, whoa, maybe I should change something here. And drinking was the main thing that I could, you know, cut out of my life. So do you feel after the first two weeks, do you feel better? Do you, I know you were saying you were having the dream. So is it, is it hard right now at this point or do you feel better? Do you, do you tell me about how you feel now? Yeah. So I feel much more clear headed. Um, and, but the, the cravings are really bad right now. So what I did is I went out and I got ginger beer, beer, I got uh, grapefruit, sparkling water, and limes, and I've been having, mixing that together and having it at night, and it tastes a lot like a Moscow Mule. What do you call it? I don't know. Do you, Mo- it's not Moscow. a cocktail. What do you oh, call it? Oh, a mocktail. Mocktail. Yeah, a mocktail. So I made these mocktails. So I did the um, the Moscow Mule, and then yesterday on Sunday, which is normally when I'd have a mimosa, I made a mocktail mimosa, and... I mean, it doesn't taste exactly like it, but enough to where you can trick your brain, mm-hmm. you know? It's all like smoking. The the physical action of pu- putting the cigarette to your mouth and then exhaling it and pulling it away. Like a lot of smokers will say that that's the, the, the action is what you're addicted mm-hmm. to. So in a similar, per, if you give this, put the same perspective on drinking, if you have a, <clears throat> we, we just did this, my wife and I just did this recently who, by the way, is also on this year-long journey with me. So mm-hmm. uh, she's a fucking trooper for doing that. Um, we had, for a special occasion, I think it was her birthday just recently, um, pull, pulled out the wine glasses and poured Martinelli's in it. So mm-hmm. like we were having champagne for her birthday because she was craving champagne like crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the funniest thing. Like the cravings that we have for booze aren't aren't like the the harsh drinks or the things that we drank all the time. It was the stuff that we always had just kind of sparingly, minim, minimally um, during during a week or a weekend, glasses of wine, champagne, mm-hmm. beer occasionally. You know, those are the things that we miss the most because we know that we, we, we did have control over at one point. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things like, oh, yeah, I miss that good old wine buzz. Well, it, and it's the things that you mi- mix with your meals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is something special to have a perfect wine paired with, you know, the steak that you're eating or, you know, the Chardonnay with your fish or whatever. whatever. There's something to that. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, have been thinking about 
champagne as well because that started to be my go-to and mm. i'm like fuck i can't do a sunday brunch yeah. with my champagne mimosa you know so yeah it's it's just been kind of difficult but so have you been finding that the mocktail is helping it is helping yeah. it, it's it's helping that it, trick my brain thing where i'm just ending the night with the mocktail or if i you know sunday with my breakfast i had the mimosa or whatever um and my my best friend, she also suggested trying to drink a comfort drink, like hot cocoa mm. or something. At tea. Night, yeah, at night, um, especially because the sugar, you know, that you're missing from alcohol, to try and drink like a hot, hot cocoa at night or something and mm-hmm. see. And I did that as well, and it was good. I think after the first six or, yeah, six months um, the sugar cravings got really bad. Oh, really? Yeah, because the first the first couple of months initially, it's like okay, I, I love the clear head, I love the the more energy, and I, so I I was able to distract myself from the cravings in general. But I did a lot of what you did. I did the mocktails. I but mine don't get as as in depth as mixing it like with normal mixers like you would with a Moscow Mule. Um, but sparkling water, that's kind of like what I went through, went to because I didn't want to put a bunch of junk in my body to, Mm -hmm. to be counterproductive to my sobriety, quote unquote, because I'm not necessarily sober. I'm using medical marijuana still on an occasional basis. Um, not nearly as much as I was when I was drinking because I was using that almost as a crutch, um, to help me feel better and not feel hungover all the time, which Quite frankly, that, that's the one. That's the one thing that I don't miss at all is the hangover, right. the, the feeling like shit every day. Um, so fucking good riddance. And I, I, I will when it comes time to me for me to reevaluate my drinking. I'm seriously going to consider control because I don't want to feel that way anymore. Right. When you got hangover recently, when you know whatever the last year, did you have anxiety induced hangover? Like or. Did hangovers induce anxiety for mm-hmm. you? And that's why I drank more. Like oh, that, that's the yeah, cycle. Yeah, yeah. The, the cycle never ended because I was constantly at this heightened state of anxiety, mm-hmm. which I thought having some booze would help me quell, quell, yeah, well. quell that. Mm-hmm. And then moving moving forward, I, okay, so I'm, I'm hungover, so I'll have some weed. Oh, the, the the high is wearing off, and so is the booze. So I got to drink some more because mm-hmm. I'm getting anxious. It, yeah, it's oh. a, it's a vicious fucking circle. And yeah. once once you break that, it, it becomes so much easier. And it's hard for me to give advice to people who are like, I just can't kick the craving because I was able to do it so easily. And it's it's not something that I could just be like, well, this is how you do it because I, everybody is built differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, the first six months, there was it was there wasn't any sugar cravings, and I lost a ton of weight, and I'm still kind of struggling, and that's why I want to go on this physical fitness um, kick for the year, is mm-hmm. because I just want to feel better. I want to be able to have energy that I can run around with my dogs, and I can climb up a hill or or run across a field if I have to, right? And not feel like I'm broken for two days. Just a quick example: last week I was doing some pruning on some trees around my house, and I bought a chainsaw and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to clean the shit out of my house and just, you know, take down all these limbs and these trees. Cause I, I, there's a, it's almost like a forest around my house and it's kind of embarrassing because the, the whole neighborhood is kind of treeless. 
Oh, but around my house, tons of trees, and the trees are like growing over the street, and they're they're towering into my backyard, and oh, it's, it's just a mess. But I, so I was dedicated to to just limbing all of these trees and getting it looking nice again. Yeah. And so I, I pull out the chainsaw, and I'm out there on ladders, and I'm doing all this, and I've, I'm I'm filling up the back of a a truck bed full of limbs and and tree branches and and all this, and the next day my arms are killing me and, right. and i'm like i did probably two hours worth of work outside and i probably i didn't hold this chainsaw for very long and i right. wasn't like <laughs> schlepping 80 pound branches like they were probably the size of my forearm which isn't very big right. but still you know it, it was just one of these things where i was so frustrated in myself because i thought i am almost 32 years old and i'm i'm getting sore from pruning trees yeah, but this it's is ridiculous it's yeah but it's muscles that you don't even when you work out it's using different muscles that you don't normally use so i can see why you'd be sore i'm sore when i weed when i like weed the weeds in my yard yeah it, it's just because i'm not used to being in that position i work out but yeah but the recovery time as you get older as you know is it it, it becomes longer and i yeah. don't i want to not have uh, a, such a long recovery time mm-hmm. just from pruning fucking trees yeah. in the house. <laughs> so, you know, and that, so once you, once you can, I don't know where I was going with this, but when I lost all the weight, I then started craving tons of sugar. Oh. And, and I, 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 I would limit myself to like one soda a day. And I even went as far as getting those mini cans of sodas. The, oh yeah. The, I think they're only eight ounces of, of soda. And and I, I can't drink too much uh, sugar as it is because it'll just give me a stomach ache. So yeah. this was the perfect thing that, that really um, subdued all those cravings for sugar is is a, a little mi- little amount of sugar um, in my in the, in the soda. And then sometimes I'll have candy or I like I like to have a little uh, um, like assortment of, of suckable candies. Oh, yeah. Because I like to suck, but mm-hmm. I also like candy. So, right. it you know, it filled those cravings for a while there. Yeah, I wonder if I'm going to go through that because I do not have a sugar tooth whatsoever. I mean, I will eat sugar here and there, but I'm not a have-to-have-sugar type of person. Yeah, it does... Because your body is so used to having those sugars from from booze, you will find that you have a sweet tooth. But it it might come at you in a similar way that I did because I'm the same way. I don't I don't have a huge sweet tooth. I'm more of a salty, savory kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so when I did have the cravings for the sugar, I felt I thought I was pregnant or something because <laughs> I had never had these these cravings before. Um, so. I think when you do have them, they'll probably come in smaller bouts, like mine did. Right. Um, and they're they're easier to to manage. Yeah. Um, but lately, I I have been having a lot of drinking dreams. And oh shit! It's like it's gotten. Think it's, it's coming up to the anniversary. I don't know. I don't know if it's how much of it's mental or or what. But my dreams are beginning terrible. Like I I I feel like shit. Like you said, after you have that that drink in your dream. Um, not only am I disappointed in myself because I think, oh shit, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in myself in my dream. Like while mm-hmm. I'm in it, yes. I'm, I'm thinking, why am I drinking this? Then and you can't stop. And then I'm smelling it when I wake up. I'm I'm feeling the hangover. It's just wrong. The whole the whole thing is, and I I f- end up feeling frustrated when I wake up. I don't yeah. know what it is. I, I and I I try to shake it, but it ends up turning me into a grump for. I don't know how long, an hour or so, until I can really shake it off. But it's like a really bad dream that just 
puts you in a sour mood. Oh. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to kick that. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I was talking to my friend about this similar thing, just that my dreams have been so horrible with the anxiety. And what she was suggesting is just to kind of maybe meditate at night. And think about those things and then just think about letting them go. She even suggested, like, writing down the things that are bringing you anxiety and just write them in a note and burn them. That's a good idea. Um, But just so you can physically Mm. remove that from your, you know, your anxiety. Because a lot of my dreams, my dreams have been very, very vivid recently. And they're all anxiety based mm-hmm. uh, one thing or the other i wonder how much of that is that you only remember the anxiety riddled dreams versus the the good ones that just kind of just go fleeting and in, into the night and you you just don't even remember that because it doesn't have an impact on your body as much as the anxiety riddled dreams well did i tell you about my recent night terror no oh my goodness i so i must have been last week last uh, wednesday maybe i think it was i was sleeping upstairs with my son um, and his dad was sleeping downstairs and I started having this horrible dream of where I was gushing blood out of the back of my neck. Oh my God. Yeah. And the family that I was with was not recognizing that I was injured and I had lost so much blood that I couldn't stand up. And so I was yelling at this family. It was a brother and a sister and two parents. I was yelling at them that I needed to go to the emergency room mm. and they weren't paying attention to me. And then the sister was like, Oh, whatever. And I'm like, I'm talking to you, you fucking bitch. And, and at the top of my lungs and my dream. Well, apparently I was yelling that clear and oh, concise wow. in my real life. Mm-hmm. And so my son's dad said that he thought I was arguing on the phone with somebody. And so he was like, Oh, I'm not going to go up there. But then he remembered my son was in bed with me. So he's like, I got to get him out of there. She's having some crazy fucked up argument on the phone. I got to, mm. I got to get him out of there. And so when he came in, he saw that I was asleep and my phone was on my nightstand and that I was just yelling and yelling and yelling in my sleep. So he woke me up and it was just, I, uh, I woke up, basically hyperventilating and just so fucked up from that feeling Hmm. in my dream. And so that's been my dream experience recently. And I, I, uh, I was researching Zoloft, which is the antidepressant that I'm on and night terrors. And there was this blog, I can't remember who it was or what the name of it was, but they were writing that because you aren't necessarily having the same emotional reactions that, stressful things in your waking life that you're emotionally reacting to it in your sleeping life because your brain is programmed to deal with like the stress all the time. Mm. And so there, your dreams end up being the outlet for that. I don't know how much of that is true. It kind of makes sense, but that's why my one friend was saying, maybe just meditate at night. Yeah. I I think I, I bet if I, if you just tie yourself out enough mm-hmm. med- through either meditation, clearing your mind, that kind of thing, or working out on a regular basis to where you're the point to the point where your body is just exhausted and you actually get a full night's sleep, which mm-hmm. is hard to do when you're working this job because for me, I only get five hours of sleep, if that. Yeah. Um, just because of my work schedule. Um, 
So it's hard to to get even a full night's sleep with my current schedule, but I think that once I start working out more, I probably won't have as stressful dreams because I'll just be sleeping soundly through the night. But yeah. with what you just said, you know, if you're if if we're manifesting stress and anxiety type situations and, and working them out in our sleep time, then maybe that's a, something to be said, like maybe we have some unfinished business in waking time that we have to actually figure oh, out. You know? Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think that I need to work on my routine, my sleep routine for sure. I have a, an alarm on my phone that tells me to go to bed at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. but it's very rare that I'm actually asleep by like 930. I'm usually, to be honest with you, I'm usually asleep by 11 mm-hmm. and then I'll go to sleep. I'll wake up at like one and check the clock and then I'll wake up at three and check the clock. And then it's really hard for me to get back to sleep. And then I finally get back to sleep and my alarm goes off. It's just a whole fucking mess. So I I was thinking about, you know, just trying to get in a better routine, walking the dogs. I mean, they can't walk together, but I can walk both of them at least for a half an hour each night. So then that would be an hour of walking that I'm doing Mm -hmm. and then doing some sort of stretching or meditation or some fucking thing. I don't know. But that's my goal. You know, I said last podcast or podcast that I wanted to get time management under my time management under control. And part of that is my daily life routine. Just get mm-hmm. it, get everybody in a better daily life routine. My son is finally kind of loading the dishwasher without being prompted. So that's I'm like, OK, good. We're getting in a routine this is one thing that i can put in the positive like this is starting to be a good routine so that's just you know life routine man i got to get that under control i think the key takeaway from all of this is that discipline is probably the biggest thing biggest proponent of helping you keep your sobriety and not Mm -hmm. drinking also the will to not wanting to drink Mm -hmm. um if you have if, if you if you subscribe to alcohol alcoholics anonymous um, that if that program is something that works for you, 12 step program, that, that, that could be a great way to at least get started, or maybe that's the answer for you, mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessarily the answer for me because it's just something that I don't subscribe to. And yeah. I quite frankly am doing pretty well without AA, um, <clears throat> but counseling Absolutely. If you have somebody that you can talk to in an unbiased way, or if you don't have any friends that you could talk to, um, that's a good way to go. But, you know, ultimately, it's a day by day process and you have to be committed to not wanting to drink. And each day you don't have one is a successful day. And that's that's kind of how I go about it. It's just a day by day thing. I know I have kind of a time stamp on when I can reevaluate and maybe have a drink again, but Mm -hmm. I, I might not do that i might just continue on with another year of sobriety and and keep moving and just understand that my relationship with alcohol won't get any better it's like it's just one of those things that it could be that 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 terrible ex-girlfriend that always tries to get you to sleep with her yeah butt into your Mm -hmm. butt into your life and try to sleep with you again and keep trap you but yeah you just gotta hit ignore and and not uh (laughs) ghost her yeah ghost ghost that bitch so um, Jessica, thank you for opening up this platform for us to do a sobriety check in. I think that would be a good idea to do probably every, if not every other podcast yeah, to do. That's great. Um, so, congratulations to you, Jessica, on your one week plus, and Amanda on your two week plus, and you on your nine week almost, or nine months, almost nine months. So, yeah, just keep on trucking and keep doing the good thing for yourself and those you love.
All right, let's keep moving on to this next prod mail. You get it? Because it's a podcast and we're doing mail. Yeah, producers, podcast, mail, prod, mail. This one is from Chrissy. She says, hi, Brandon and Amanda. Hi. I absolutely love your podcast. Well, thank you. Aw, so nice. She goes on to say, I just finished listening to the latest and you've motivated me uh, to run a full marathon and try another triathlon. Oh, God. I've done one before, she says. And now I want to find out about my past lives. Let's stop right there for a second. Um, I, I made the um, commitment or goal, like my one of my goals for this year. It's not necessarily a New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. but it is a goal because I do want to be more physically active this year. I'm going to run a half marathon by the end of the year at some point and you know if it's this summer it's the summer but if it's later it's it's cool but i've been doing some research and and this training of of a half marathon and it's gonna take a lot more work just to get to the point to train for the marathon for me because i'm i'm basically starting from square one i i haven't been necessarily physically active as much as i should be i haven't Mm -hmm. been working out as much as i should be so i'm basically starting from square one so i need to work on my base layer of fitness before I could start working on my 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 multi mile runs as a training, yeah, for the because you don't want to get injured. No, and, yeah, yeah. I got to do it right. I don't want to. I just don't want to start running miles and miles and miles right off the bat. I got to start building up my uh, my foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, "I figure if you guys can give it a try, so can I." Good for you, Chrissy. Woo woo. Now I have to hold. I have to hold myself to my own standards now, and I think mm-hmm. that's another thing. Just to pause in the letter. It's another reason why I think this sobriety thing has been working for me is I made it such a public thing that if I let myself down, I'm not only letting myself down, but I'm letting everybody else that I've told down. Yeah, that's why I like to talk about it, because then it's like people know about it and they'll call you on your shit. Exactly. And if I if I'm having everybody else hold myself accountable, then mm-hmm. I need to hold myself accountable, uh, accountable First and foremost. So good for you, Chrissy. And uh, now we got to support each other in this. Um, She goes on to say, I have a strong relationship with my sons. I have two, just like Amanda does with her Padawan. My oldest is clearly in his first time around. So she's she's talking about the past life regressions and and the fact that we have uh, in, in, in many instances are experiencing life with the same type of souls or people but in different variations. So mm-hmm. like in your case with your Padawan, he may have been like a cousin or a, or a brother or, or some sort of relation that's not necessarily the one that you're going through now, which is you're the mother and he's the son. Mm-hmm. Similar vein that Chrissy's going through. So she says, my oldest is clearly in his first time around, while my youngest is mature far beyond his years, and I feel we have had many lives together in the past. He's a redhead. And from the time I was a young child myself, I've always known I'd I'd have a redhead child. It runs in my family. But far down the line, no one immediate. I'm Mexican with dark hair and tan skin. So when I'd share with friends that I knew I'd have a redhead, they thought I was nuts. I think you were nuts too. When he was born and the doctor said he was a redhead, I thought to myself, well, here he is. Hello again. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm very connected to my surroundings, and I've had several incidences that make me feel like I have some kind of sensitivity that some would call crazy. Amanda, your body positive thoughts, uh, your body positive posts are amazing and so honest. I look forward to the next podcast. Thank you for your positive outlook. Love you guys. Chrissy. 
Come here, potty positive stuff is all on your Instagram page, right? Yeah, on uh, producer Amanda's Instagram. And yeah, I took down some of the stuff because I was just like, all right. Uh, because like we talked about, I don't, don't need to hash through it again. But um, there's some stuff on there that, you know, because I just want people to uh, accept themselves for where they are now. And I have a very hard time with that because... I'm 185 pounds. I've never, I don't think I even weighed that much when I was pregnant. So, uh, I've been a hard, it's been hard for me to accept myself. Hmm. And so I just trying to put it out there for other people so they can accept themselves. I think it's a very natural thing to look back. Um, especially at our stage in our lives, we're about halfway through our, our run. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it's easy to go back and look at, to look at how great things were and, and spin yarn of, how great I looked and and how different things were, but we're bo- our bodies are changing whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Gravity is taking its toll. Um, everything slows down. Time is marching on. Our our bodies are basically decomposing the day we're born. Yeah, there's a few you know 18 years there that are great for our bodies, but then you start moving forward, moving on, things start falling apart. So it's easy yeah. it's easy to go this that this is now and that was then. I want that I want that to be me now still. Um, so you know it, it's kind of it could be counterproductive to 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 do that side by side comparison, but it could also be in, very inspirational, and, yeah. and it could inspire you to just take better care of your body and try to be youthful again by doing whatever it takes to be that. Well, I think that it's important to not be so cut up caught up on your physical appearance, mm-hmm. and I mean work on your inside first of all. And when I do look at those pictures, like my boudoir shoot, I made um, Chris from. CMYK photography. I made him wait like a month. We had we had a date scheduled and I felt I was too fat to take pictures. So I made him wait a month and we rescheduled it to do it. Um and then when I look at those pictures, yeah, they're beautiful and everything and I was a lot slimmer, but I know what I did to myself to get that slim and it was not fucking healthy mm-hmm. and it was absolutely horrible. And so I just have to remember, like, yeah, that girl might be skinny in that picture, but that girl was only e- eating avocados and, you know, drinking coffee. And mm-hmm. that was what I did. And it was fucking horrible. Like, who wants to live like that? Yeah. And I think that if by spreading body positivity and, and, and self-awareness and being self, uh, being conscious of your body now, mm-hmm. um, those are the things you should take away from those types of body positivity posts is, that, uh, you know, that you, you could be unhealthy, but now you're healthy and you, you, you can take the steps necessary to be healthy. Yeah. Again. Well, I still struggle with the food restriction because when I would feel out of control, that's what I would control is my food or abstain, you know, restrict. And so it's still I still struggle with that. And I have to, like, force myself to eat breakfast. And there's some days that I don't, you know, and it's just uh, it's. Something that I'm working on with my therapist, I made her aware of it, and we're going to be doing, you know, I'm starting my EMDR therapy in uh, in February. So it's just, you know, it's just a, a journey, I guess. But it's a struggle. I, yeah. And it if, is, it, the struggle is real, especially in a society where that relies so heavily on appearance. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, fortunately, with this Me Too movement and, and uh, uh, more feminine more women taking charge basically and, and more femininity being in the forefront of, of all of almost everything now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can take a step back and, and reevaluate the way that we look at each other and, and not just women, but men too, because men 
go through the same struggles. They see the picture perfect model and in, in all the the advertisements, and they think, "Why don't I look like that?" And those those guys will get eating disorders, and and de- mm-hmm. you know, well, they'll get depressed and shit. I I go through this type of struggle all the time. Like I think I'm a meek little boy in my mind. Right. You know, the, you this is what yourself. I see. Yeah. I, I see just this little teenage boy that will never get any bigger or grow up any larger than that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like, you know, I feel in, inferior because of that. And I think a lot of that has to do with perception of, of the male body and, and what is desired and all of that. Mm-hmm. And you just got to be able to separate that. Well, and the, the fucking beauty standards thing, that's what fucks me up. And I realized recently that you, I was basically raised to, I was basically told that my self-worth is, from the perception of how a man views me, you know, and if I'm attractive to a man. And when I cut my hair, I really felt like I was not feminine anymore. But that's not where my feminine, my hair is not my femininity. So it was just, you know, it, it's hard with the the beauty standards. Sometimes they uh, make you feel pressure, I think, to mm. be conformed into a certain way of looking or what fashion is on trend and all that shit but you yeah. just got to let it go and and find your beauty within yeah i think we could we could go all day about blaming the media and mm-hmm. and blaming those in charge and and all the all those fashion companies and modeling companies but quite honestly it, it all comes down to you oh yeah and absolutely. and your decision to perceive um, but if it's being shoved down your throats as this is reality and this is perception, mm-hmm. then you have no choice but to succumb to that. So it's 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 one of those battles or journeys that you have mm-hmm. with yourself of, of either you're going to go along with the crowd or you're going to go on your own journey and, and realize that beauty is within. Yep. I wonder how much of this, like if, I, I would love if there was some sort of time machine, like we can go through these past life regression sessions and, and have a a medium tell us what we've been through. I wish we could just have some sort of time machine that you could just sit in a little capsule and you can't interfere with anything outside. You're just observing and and Mm -hmm. spectating things that have happened in the past because in my past lives, I wonder if we worried about these things and I wonder how much of it is society today that, that puts all of these these pressures and standards on, on, on your being and how much of that really mattered back then, mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago, back then you were worried about dying at 32 from smallpox, <laughs> Dysentery. whatever, yeah. you know, or, or, or traveling across the, the wagon trail mm-hmm. and, and dying of smallpox. I mean, those were the worries I, and it wasn't right. necessarily how big my, my, uh, my gingham was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my gingham shirt. Or whatever the fuck. I don't know. But I, I, I just find it very interesting that we rely so heavily on, on what other people say is, are the standards. But that's just humanity, I guess. Yeah. We um, got to we gotta look at ourselves and not care about what anybody exactly. else thinks. Look at each other and support each other instead of telling each other what they should be. Yeah. And who they should be or how they should look. Join together and, and, and embrace each other for who you are. Maybe. Kumbaya, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this next email is kind of in the same past life vein from Becky. She says, hey, Brandon and Amanda. Hey. Hey. She says, I love that you are talking about reincarnation and past lives. I had a past life regression a while back. I touched on at least four lives that I could recall. Each life was in a different era in history. I was a man in two and a woman in two. It was not scary at all. 
Looking back, I can see that I currently possess many traits of each of my past life personas. For example, in one life, I was a young woman who was forced into an arranged marriage during the Victorian era. Oh, I, wow. That's crazy. I grew up to be a leader of the suffragette, suffragette movement. Suffragette? Suffragette? I got to Google this. What is suffragette? It, I feel like I should know this. Suffrage? Suffrage is, yeah, woman's suffrage. That's something. Suffragette. A woman seeking the right to vote through organized protest. Oh, okay. okay. I thought that was suffrage. Okay, so she was wearing a pussy hat back in the back in those days. Uh, today in this life, I'm a very much on the side of equal rights for women. I guess I really wanted to assure Amanda that it's truly not frightening, frightening, and there are no bolts of lightnings afterwards. Rather, every now and then I get moments of deja vu for clarity that makes me go, "Oh, that! Yeah, I get it. I highly recommend it, and it's kind of an adventure." Love your show and just love who you guys are. Well, thank you. Yeah, I don't think that I'm ready for the past life regression. I am still battling with, uh, I do believe in reincarnation, but it absolutely scares the shit out of me. Uh, And What are you afraid of? Not being with my son and not remembering that we're together and, and losing him. But what if you go through this? This this session of, you know, figuring out your past lives, you walk out, your son's still there. No, I know, but the time is finite. And so there will be an, an end to our time together in this life. And I don't want to forget it. It's gonna time is cry. infinite. This lifetime, though, this lifetime. this lifetime is finite. And I don't want to forget about him and our relationship. But what if you could go through a past life regression session and you could be told... That you've been through this multiple times with your son, and and this these are the memories that you have, and this will happen again. Yeah, I know, Ben. That's scary. It just it's just scary to me. Uh, you know, time is liquid to me, and I can't hold on to the, I can't hold on to it. And so, ugh, I don't want to cry on this freaking podcast. I just love my son so much, and I I think because I lost my mom at a very young age, I know what that loss feels like, and um. And it just fucking sucks. So I, that's part of the reason why I'm going to go to EMDR therapy so that I can deal with my – so I can have a healthy relationship with death mm. um, because I'm so afraid of it. And I think that that comes from losing my mom and finding – I was the one that found her dead. So that is so traumatic that, um, you know, I don't – I just don't want my son to go through that loss. And, you know, even though he's kind of tapped into some weird fucking shit. Um, so so your so your fear primarily is probably of learning about these past lives with your son in, in various forms, but knowing that they ended like like. Well, and knowing that I can't remember, I mean, that that I'm in this life and I can't remember what we had before. So if that is the case, then that means I'm not going to remember this lifetime with him. And I. I don't want to cry. It's okay. Um, he's just so so special to me, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't want to not remember this time with him. So I know, you know, my psychiatrist just says that our souls are together forever, and I totally get that. And that's why the Reiki session was so um, was so important to me because my guides was well, one of my guides was my dad. Um, and so I got to talk to him 
and uh, I'm just being so emotional, and I, I didn't want to ever do that on this. It's okay. That's what this is for. Yeah. Well, Let I it just, out. I just didn't want it to be like that. Um. So I know that my dad told me that they're all here with me and just to let it go. And I'm trying to do that, but it's just, you know, I don't ever want to lose my son. Yeah. This is a, the biggest fear when I became a parent is, uh, lo- is losing my children, you know? And so <laughs> it's just kind of magnified when I think about those types of things, mm-hmm. you know, that makes sense. And I'm very afraid of dying. I always have been. So I have to deal with that. As you get older, it gets even harder. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. you are closer to death than ever before. <laughs> well, uh, but, and- you know, now that added layer of having a kid and your responsibility. And I can, I, I totally get what I'm not, I mean, I can't relate completely to what you're going through, but yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. And if it feels like looking back at past lives is like picking at a scab then why do it why go through that torture for yourself yeah if it's just gonna be if it's just gonna be more emotionally draining than anything yeah well i mean i am curious about it and i don't want to rule it out i definitely am curious about it it's just i'm not ready yet and also one of the things that i've been battling and i think maybe why i freaked the fuck out recently and went crazy is when i turn 37 which is coming up here shortly, um, oh, I will have outlived my mom. Mm. And so I made a vow to myself that when I turn 37, that I'll live the life that my mom never got to live. So, you know, that means a lot of things for me. That means being more healthy. And it means like ha- trying to get my shit together a little bit more and like living my life in honor of her because she didn't get to live that long. And so when I think about that and I think about the fact that I'm outliving my mother, it's fucking it, – it, it's been fucking with my head. When I turned 35, my son turned five, and that was also very difficult because I was looking at him and it was like looking in a mirror of – I lost my mom when I was five. And now I'm seeing him and it brought up a lot of anger that I had with him – or not with him, with her. Mm-hmm. And so it just – it's just certain milestones I think are really – can be uh, dig up a lot of emotion that I've been not dealing with. Mm -hmm. So that this year is going to be an interesting one. Yeah. And I think with your decision to be dry for the year, will will help you mend a lot of things a lot easier. Cause if you don't have, if you don't have that, you don't have the booze that's going to distract you or, you know, deter your body from, from going through the motions that they need to go through. If the more clear-headed you do it, the better you're going to be on the other side. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, my mom, she died of a heroin overdose, so I want to Mm. live a clean life for her. I Mm. mean, not that I'm addicted to heroin or or anything, but a drinking problem, that ran deep in our family, and I think she had a pretty severe drinking problem as well. So uh, I'm going to try and live that clean life that she didn't get to live. You know? Right there. You, you were saying that you want to live through to the 37, living the life that your mom never could. Mm-hmm. You're starting right now. Yeah. This is the beginning and you're yeah. doing, you're doing an amazing job. I thank commend you. you for it. Thank you. Um, let's end the podcast on a high <laughs> Positive note. note. No, but thank yeah. honestly, thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally understand where you're going through and, you know, there's no sense in pushing anybody into doing something to experience. that's going to cause more 
stri- strife and harm and and make you upset. Like the, yeah. the, what's supposed the 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 whole past life regression thing is supposed to bring out positive. Yeah, it, it might stir up some stuff and might make you go, oh, this is maybe this is why I am the way I am. But when you're ready, just like anything else, right? Well, and I think once I when I get through my EMDR therapy and all that stuff and I'm in a more stable place emotionally, I think that that would be wonderful to to explore. There you, you know? go. I'm just not there yet. And hopefully when you do get to that point, you will be able to share it with us and yeah. uh, we will have some interesting stuff to talk about. Um, there's one thing that we can all relate to and one thing that makes us all feel better and that's music, right? Yeah. Oh, so this email is from a uh, anonymous person. They say, the podcast convinced me to bust out my guitar. Hell yeah. The podcast convinced me to bust out my guitar and have a solo jam session. So you played with yourself? <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Brando, you and Amanda should start a band. We <laughs> can start a band and travel the countryside. <laughs> That's right. I was inspired by your podcast where you guys said sometimes you just have to jam session. Yeah, and... uh there's so much. That's the end of the letter, but oh. so true. I mean, I I literally have used my music room as uh, storage for the last year, and in the last two weeks, I finally have dusted everything off. I've got everything set up the way it should be. I've got yeah. all my pedals set up. My guitars are all dusted off and restrung. I got my bass guitar set up. You know, I'm I'm thinking about getting an electric drum set. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start producing my own music. There I don't need a go. band balls um, to the wall. and just go balls of the wall because music is ultimately the number one healer for me. Yeah. And and I'm glad that we have inspired other people to get back into music and you know, maybe I can follow suit and, and uh preach what I <laughs> do what I pre- say what I do what I preach, say what I preach. Jesus Christ. Whatever the saying is. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this edition of the podcast. Namaste, fuckers. Bye. The Rad 